You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to The Buzz, brought to you by the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Knezic, and this is take two on episode 99. (laughs) (laughs) We got about halfway through yesterday and said, we don't like this at all. We're going to redo it. You know, I'm not – it was – we were giving off a – a negative vibe yeah. yesterday and i just really i'm glad that you picked up on it too like i kind of felt yeah. like as we we're recording i'm like i don't like how this is going yeah and it's indicative yeah. of this time of the season you get busy and it's i don't know i'm trying to i don't know if you noticed i tried to even be more chipper with how yeah. i <laughs> how i did my intro today yeah, so yeah. i'm ready i got yeah, all positive overall we're in but, we're both in really good moods it's yeah. a really awesome time of year the nursery is alive all the plants we being the nursery business, I was describing this to my wife yesterday, is like it's such a great time of year because we get spring before anyone else gets spring. Yeah. Um, just you're going in a greenhouse and everything's alive while outside it's just starting to wake up now. Um, and it's just a shame we don't get to enjoy it because everything's just going crazy. It's <laughs> it, absolutely nuts. Everyone's pulling their hair out just trying to get things done. But uh, it, you it, have to remind yourself every day just to kind of like stop and give yourself a minute to just enjoy what's going on around you. It, it's overload. There's so much information at all times, um, it. I, I was just telling Agatha, I've been dream. Like typically, I dream and don't remember my dreams. Like mm-hmm. I, I could probably say I'm not dreaming, yeah. but I've been dreaming every night, all night. But it's just work stuff. Yeah, not even just like it's just like I'm working an extra night in my <laughs> in my sleep just to <laughs> get things yeah, done. Yeah. You know, it's not like craziness is like no i was just working on a couple things in my sleep because i can't even shut my brain off yeah but we always i I tend to say well let's make this a quick episode and then we don't but to purposely make this a little bit quicker of an episode i didn't go to the bathroom beforehand so there's (laughs) gonna be a a deadline (laughs) there's gonna be a point where i'm like really rushing us along you know i'll chug my water and and then we'll both be in the same boat yeah so, but anyway, we like to start with a little bit of follow up from from some uh, topics that we talked about in previous episodes, where we've gotten some feedback and those kind of things. So, Fran, you have something written down here. Why don't you start with I, that? I do. So, our last guest, uh, Joan Brandwine, who was wonderful, and I, I have to say that her episode is the like probably most the fastest li- listened to episode. So in a week, yeah, yeah, it's, we've ever had. It's more listens. By this point in the week than any other episode that we mm-hmm. have. So and, and we need to thank all of you for that. Uh, but Joan wanted to call in. She she sent an email after it published and just said, I don't know that I want to listen to this. And then she emailed back and she said, I did listen to it. And wow, this was great. Thank you. And then she emailed again and said, you know, um, I feel silly because I said I was talking about. Uh, Meadow Blazing Star, and then I gave the wrong botanical name. Mm. And you know, the funny thing is, she was like, "You were polite enough to not correct me." And I was like, "I'm thinking I didn't say this to her, but I'm like, botanical names change so often. I yeah. thought that you were just more hip than me and knew the new botanical, mm-hmm. you know, and and I didn't know yet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But she had said it was uh, Ligularia uh, ligus." Uh, Ligula stylus, Ligula stylus, mm-hmm. 
but it's Leatrice. Yeah. So and I didn't pick up that at all. But it's uh I don't think you should let her off the hook that easy. We expect perfection from our guests. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm know, just teasing. Her her it's, message was it's you know, it's okay to make mistakes. We're all learning. It's a learning experience and and you you, you learn the right thing and you move on yeah. and it's okay. Yep. You know, and, and you and I have that same approach. I mess up all yeah. the time. <laughs> and I think it's it's okay to correct people yeah. if you do it in the right way. And I'm thinking about this is this is a little tidbit that you at home wouldn't have gotten if we recorded this yesterday and said, okay, we're going to stick with this. Um, so my wife and I had our anniversary yesterday. We went out to dinner. Oh, happy anniversary. And uh, we went to a really fancy restaurant because we hadn't really gone anywhere and we haven't taken any trips. So How, how did you get married in the spring? How I did we know. allow that? She, she chose the date. And I'm like, I don't know if that's going to work. <laughs> I don't know if it'll fly. But um, but anyway, so we were out to dinner and uh, – and I started to realize, man, I don't really, one, I don't know uh, all the etiquette of, like, really fine dining. And, um, and two, what I did know, I've forgotten in the last two years. <laughs> so I'm like, what spoon do I use again for this? <laughs> like, what do I do? And uh, a couple times the waiter came over and would just, like, really politely, like, nudge us and say, like, I, we had our entrees. And my wife and I would switch. Yeah. We'd basically, we have a rule because we just pick what we both want yeah. or what we both agree is like, these are the two things we're really interested in. And then halfway through we'll switch plates. Okay. And then I end up getting a little more because yeah. I'm just a bigger person and eat a lot more <laughs> than she does. But, um, so it, we switched plates, but we kept our silverware and she was given a sharp knife for, uh, her meal. And I was not. Yeah. And, um, and the waiter came over and he's like, Oh, maybe the lady would prefer the, the, uh, less sharp knife for it, it'll work better for her meal. Yeah. And I was like, oh, thank you for telling me. Instead of yeah. like, I'm the entire time, I'm like, I feel like I'm doing stuff wrong anyway yeah. in this restaurant. And now you told me I was doing something wrong, but I'm I'm smarter for it. Yeah. And now I'll know in the future, okay, oh, I, for this kind of meal, you're going to use this kind of knife. And for this yeah. kind of meal, you use that kind of knife. And those gentle nudges can really help because people don't want to do the wrong thing, but they don't always know that. That they are doing the wrong thing. Yeah. I had no clue until he said that, but he did it in a really polite way. That was a very and, polite way to say that. Yeah. And it was, I wish that was the only instance where I did something <laughs> wrong, but he did it. He was like two, three times. He was like, oh yeah, maybe you try this. And like, just like a little suggestion yeah. to almost make it feel like it was my idea. And, um, or like, just like a little, he'd always give like little hints. It was really it was a really cool rest. It's uh, called Vitra Cucina. It's in Philadelphia. Okay. Um, right now, it's like it's it's expensive, but it's just completely different food than what you'd get. Nice. At a lot of other places, unless you're into fine dining and going all over the place. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I had Very caviar cool. twice in one night. Wow. Um, <laughs> I have never had caviar. Yeah. That's what my wife was saying. Other than like on sushi, she's like, and I'm like, I know I've had it someplace, but I don't remember where. I- it's, I maybe I had it on sushi. It's just one of those things that I'm not interested in trying. Yeah. Like even if you had it right now and said it's try lot, this, I'd be like, it's Man. a lot better than you think. Okay. That's there's there's some that can be super fishy and like weird, yeah. but then there's others that are really mild and just have a really pleasant and mild flavor. Okay. And uh, I don't know if that's the better one or the worst one. <laughs> <but> <laughs> which one would be more expensive? I have no idea. But uh, no, it was cool. But that's I took that and said, you know what, you can do this when spreading this native plant message. It's just those, like, gentle nudges and, like, gentle little tips. Yes. Especially if you're known, like, I'm sure in Joan's case, she's known as a really good gardener. Yeah. Not just a native plant gardener, but a gardener. And those little tips can, like, I'm sure people look at her and say, 
wow, she knows what she's doing. And if she was walking by and, said, and saw someone go and say, hey, you know, I tried this and, and this really worked for me, it would probably be really well received because she's known as an expert in that community. Yes. And um, and it would go a long way. And I'm sure many of our listeners are in the same boat where they're kind of becoming that person that they're looking at and saying, oh, this person knows what they're doing when it comes to the native plant garden. Yeah. So, yeah. But I wasn't confident enough in myself to, <laughs> to even i just let it i just assumed she was correct yeah i honestly i didn't even pick up on it when she said it. i was like oh it must be a different kind of blazing star <laughs> I'm thinking of. So, but the other feedback that yes. i got was yes. talking to our guest former guest on native plants healthy planet um and then we also had him on native plant every day was dal kabeski from sunset farmstead yes. who i buy some plants from now and then and now and again and uh i was talking to him about uh, London Plain, and then yes. telling the difference part. Actually, he solicited this, or he gave me this advice unsolicited. <laughs> but uh, but he said uh, how he always tells is that London Plain is greener, where sycamore is more white when that yeah. when that bark flakes off. Which uh, then I told you, friend. You said, "Oh, that's what I said." <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I you know he said it in a much more eloquent yeah. way. That's what I think. That's what I was trying to say on the podcast when we were talking about it. He just. He just said it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't, you know, I, I, I was trying to remember, and I wasn't quite sure. And mm-hmm. obviously, Daryl was sure. So yeah. that's yep. that's thank you. Then the last thing we want to touch on was we we love when we get four or excuse me five star views. We yes. really love when we get five star views. We got a four star view, which was really really flattering to us. Yes, um, but also something we wanted to address as well. And uh, this was from from Jenny Squirrel. Uh, gave a four star and just raved about how much she enjoys the podcast. The content's great. Um, the one, I guess, quasi complaint she had was the lack of diversity. And basically, it's something we're cognizant of. I would say that's probably our our biggest weakness. We acknowledge in that. our hundred um, in our guest list so far. And it's uh, it's something we've been working on to to rectify. It, things just haven't shaken out yet. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's. I thought by a hundred episodes that we would have more diversity than we do. It just some episodes haven't come into place yet that we've been working on, and they're going to. Yeah. It's just a matter of time. I hear you. We agree. We acknowledge. Uh, yeah. We'll do better. We keep preaching inclusivity, and uh, and we haven't been as inclusive as we've wa- wanted to hold ourselves yeah. to. Well, so yeah. just wanted to acknowledge that, and we we hear you loud and clear. We took it. I know you put a little qualifier at the end saying. I hope this is taken as intended. We took it as intended. We we acknowledge that and, that's and, been a weak point of our uh, of our guest list so far. And we appreciate you being a part of our community. I know you're very active in the mm-hmm. Facebook group, um, and and we appreciate that. And we yeah. appreciate you listening all this time. And one of the things I would ask, and this is a call for everyone, is if you have someone that you want to hear from, especially from like a, a, a what's the BIPOC community, yeah, send them our way because. Our circles may not be as diverse as other people's, so that's a great way for us to start to get into some of these other circles and and uh, commingle a little bit more than we have. Yeah. So we could use the help. Yeah, we, we, definitely. We'd, we'd definitely. appreciate it. So, but speaking since we are on episode ninety nine, before we move on, if we could just take a second to reflect because our hundredth episode, we're not going to reflect. It's a special yes. episode, and yeah. we're going to get into that later. Um, but um, we decided to do it in a less self-serving way. Yes. Um, so I just wanted to take a moment to thank everyone as we're getting close, because we're not going to get a chance on the next, at the hundredth episode to do it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just wanted to take a moment to thank everyone for, for, 
taking this journey with us and being a part of the journey and continuing and bringing new people in. It's, you know, the when we're saying it's a time of year where things are overwhelming, your feedback has been overwhelming in the last couple of weeks. And uh, we can't thank you enough for for being a part of this and, and all the reviews where people have been saying, hey, we've been listening since the beginning and I can't believe it's almost episode 100. I can't believe it either. And I don't know that this is what we had imagined, um, and it continues to keep growing. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just very overwhelming and and satisfying. Yeah. Um, and we could we wouldn't be here, we wouldn't be able to do this without all of you. Yeah. So thank yep. you for for being a part of it. Yeah. So with that, let's get into. Uh, oh, I should probably say my kind words too, Fran. I was <laughs> eager to get it, but no, like, I was speaking for both. Of yeah, us. like Fran said, we are just completely honored. We've mentioned it a million times. We thought. Well, we're going to get like 20 listens and it's going to be our family and friends and maybe someone else will listen. And it, that we just Jones episode got a thousand listens, more than a thousand listens just in the in first three, week, three days, is, first three days is really yeah. just wild to us that that many people are interested in, I guess, not what Fran and I have to say, but what we have to present and the yeah. people that we, we want to bring on here. So it's just it's incredibly flattering. And uh, I, another thing that happened last night is I was looking at how many listens we had. Cause like I said, this is or like Fran said, this is the fastest we've had listens in, um, ever in any episode. And so it was like, I'm, uh, we're leaving and I'm like looking at the, the listens. I'm like, I wonder how many other people in here had a thousand listens on their podcast this week. I'm a, little bit, a little bit better about myself. So no, we're, we're really honored and it's amazing that we've, we've made it this far. Yeah. So awesome. With that, let's go into our, uh, our, Plants that we're vibing with this week, and that segment is titled "That's Hot." That's hot. So I'm going to. Che- I know I typically offer. Yeah. For you, if you'd just like go to go first, first. I'm yeah, going to go first it. because yeah. I I keep losing during this or that, so mm-hmm. I just want to go first in something. <laughs> yeah. So so, um, you know, it's it's funny. This time of the year, we were starting to get excited here in New Jersey. Last week, we were hitting 60 degree weather, and then by Monday, it was 25 degrees. So mm-hmm. it's. Uh, we are starting to see a little bit of signs of life, and then it kind of like nature reminded us, "Hey, you're not you're not quite there yet. Yep. <laughs> Slow it down." Yep. So, um, as you're going through the woods, I know my last that's hot was sycamore mm-hmm. um, because you can see the white as you're even if you're driving down yep. the highway, you can yep. see the white. And I thought another one that I noticed while while walking through woods was river birch, Betula nigra. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with it, so it's it's not like your white birch uh, or paper birch that's mm-hmm. really white. It's more like a, it has a, a reddish brown, like cinnamon exfoliating mm-hmm. bark on the uh, young trees and smaller limbs. Medium height tree of wet soils, and you typically find it along stream banks, lakes, swamps, and floodplains. Um, it gets forty, like forty to seventy foot tall. They can get up to ninety foot tall. It's a facultative wet. And mm-hmm. wetland indicator status. Um, but in uh, addition to the exfoliating bark, uh, that kind of gives you year-round appeal. River birch also produces showy reddish-green, uh, like male staminate flower, which are called catkins. It's about two to three inches long, and you'll see them at the end of the branches. And even though they appear in the late summer or early fall, they kind of remain on the tree throughout the winter. So you're getting the catkins, you're getting the exfoliating bark right now, and you can't you can't help but to notice it. Um, mm-hmm. And there's other birches out there, and I know there's 
there, there's way to tell them apart. That cinnamon brown bark, like black birch, obviously has a, a black, more furrowed mm-hmm. uh, bark. Uh, gray birch, it's a little more grayish in tint, and yellow birch is, is yeah. like to me, has almost like a yellowish tint to it. So um, it's one that you'll definitely see as you're going through, and it's it's beautiful to see that exfoliating bark at this time of the year. You're yeah, smiling. And, what oh, you I was going to say, I we like I said, we did this episode halfway through yesterday and called it, like said, scrap it. But um, you mentioned yesterday how sometimes it holds its catkins into the the winter. The winter, yeah. and I went home and I have a big river birch yeah. in my front yard, and it still was holding on its catkins. Oh, awesome. So I want to confirm that that is true. All right. And um, I have a really love hate relationship with this tree, and uh, it's a beautiful tree. Like the one we have was actually planted like thirty years ago, before we my wife and I owned the property. Um, actually, by my dad, <laughs> he <laughs> planted it for his neighbor at the time. But uh, and I just. It's such a beautiful tree, and I really appreciate it. Uh, but you know, like in the end of Bohemian Rhapsody, it was like, "And you to where the wind blows." Yeah, yeah I, I think of that, like that lyric every time there's a windstorm, because my lawn is just littered in branches. It's like any any time the wind blows, there's branches all over my yard from it, this river birch. It is a messy tree, and it's it, it has a lot of of twiggy branches that that die and break mm-hmm. off. Um, like I just think, like if you were to like try climbing it you would be covered in dead twiggy branches so um and it's a multi-stem like it can be single stem or multi-stem most of the time you see it in nature i I tend to see a multi-stem tree um yeah but it's it's uh yeah it could be a little messy yes yeah so so (laughs) but but that's a a great choice this week like i said it's a beautiful tree um it just can be a messy tree. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. my choice this week is uh, is Corliss americana, which is an American hazelnut. Nice. And uh, and I'm choosing that because I just made a video about it like two weeks ago. <laughs> but I made the video because it's uh, it's flowering right now, and we have okay. one that um, is right outside our office. We actually trimmed it back last year, trimmed it down to the base, and it's re-sprouting. And um, and but it's also flowering right now, and it also gets catkins. And, uh, and I'll read a little bit from Jersey Friendly Yards. Uh, so American hazelnut, a deciduous shrub, is monoecious. It has separate male and female flowers, which I didn't notice the male flowers. I'm going to have to look for those because that just sounds – or I guess I didn't – excuse me. I didn't notice the female flowers. Yeah. The catkins are the male flowers. So I want to look for those and see if I can identify them okay. too. So um, so a light the, the light brown male catkins and incon, inconspicuous female flowers, hence why I didn't notice them, emerge in March to April, uh, a.k.a. right now. Um the female flowers lead to uniquely shaped nuts, which mature in late summer. The nuts are edible, sweet, and have high nutritional value. It may be eaten raw or ground into flour. The nuts were traditionally used by Native Americans to flavor soup. Many mammals and bird species feed on the nuts, including fox, deer, turkey, woodpeckers, and squirrels. The dense, low growth characteristics of the species provide cover and nesting sites for wildlife. It's a fall. Its fall foliage colors range from yellow to red. Uh, use American hazelnut in naturalized areas or woodland gardens where nut debris will not cause tree litter. It can also be used as a screen planting or in the back of a shrub border, yeah. um, which is a great dis- – I'm glad they added in how to use that. And that's from Jersey Friendly Yards, which is a great website if you're in our area. Um, and, yeah, I, I really like this plant because it has that – even the, the male flower is inconspicuous – because it doesn't look like a flower. It's just a little yeah. dangly thing, and it produces some pollen. And it's not showy, but it just demonstrates how many different kinds of flowers there are out there. Yeah. We just kind of think, like, big showy pink and purples and and beautiful, flat, like, bouquet-type flowers, where not all plants are going to have that. And not all plants need that. Yeah. So it's a – and a note about the nuts is it's not going to be – 
exactly like what you'd find in the store. They tend to be a little bit smaller. And um, and where European hazelnuts, that's what you're going to find in the grocery store. Uh, the husk will open up and the nut will drop to the ground. Mm-hmm. On the American hazelnut, the nut will the husk will open a little bit, but the nut won't fall out. So it's you're not walking around looking for nuts. You're looking for husks, and then you're breaking <laughs> open the husks to get the nuts out. Now, Tom and I learned as we were uh, recording an episode of A Native Plant Every Day that both Corliss and Betula mm-hmm. are part of the same family, the Betulaceae family, which also includes uh, musclewood, and mm-hmm. it also includes allness, um, astraea, like hophorn beam, and mm-hmm. you know um, most of those which have catkins. But we also learned with with musclewood, they also have a nut that you can. Yeah. They're smaller, but you can dry or, or roast mm-hmm. and eat that. And uh, you know, it's a lot of these when you start to learn the family and the things that are in the family, you kind of see similar behavior. So it was kind of interesting for us to learn that also. Right. It ties in pretty well. Yeah. That's a good choice. All right. That's so good choice. let's uh, move along to this or that. I usually give a better segue than that, but I got to blank <laughs> on what I was going to say. <laughs> I've been dreading this or that. I've been dreading yeah. it. I, so we do have a winner. We should start off that way. So uh, the articles from The Last Buzz were my articles on Fragmites genome research and Tom's on uh, Habitat uh, managers with um, using native plants, plants to attract uh, game species. Game species, and we we have a winner, and the winner is Tom eleven to seven. I, I can't remember the last time I won, Tom. I can't either. It's, I, been, I, a re- long it's time. been a long time. Our, our fans have deserted me. I think it was the the when the I rallied the war on the war on Christmas people. I think that to, was it. It's it's been yeah. like three months. I think since I because all of a sudden won. I went from like winning. Handily to getting crushed, and then so, I haven't won yeah. since. So, yeah. so you get to choose. And uh, so yesterday I let you go first, yes. but then you took it to a really dark place. I- so I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go first and try and keep it upbeat and set a, set a tone here. Um, so my, uh, I, which is terrible because I had a great segue yesterday. You that did you ruined. A, by I, the way. I ruined it. It's, uh, it just so, wasn't working yesterday. And um, yeah, it, my my article is about. What's trendy and what's uh, what's chic, and it's titled "The Chicest Gardens Today Are Not Groomed or Tamed; They Are Wild." And it was by Regina Cole, and it was published in Forbes. Okay, uh, so I love when articles about native plants come out in unsuspecting—I um, unsuspecting is the right word—but uh, in sources that you wouldn't expect them to come out in. Like yeah. Forbes, I'm not reading that to learn about plants, especially native plants, but that it was published at least on their online format uh, is pretty indicative that people must be interested in this and just haven't gotten into it yet and yes. they're interested in other realms maybe they're interested in finance or business and uh this is just maybe a hobby to them and yeah. now they can read about it in forbes and it gains a little bit more exposure so i love when articles like this are posted in those formats um so i'm gonna read a little bit and then i'll kind of give my feedback along the way or right, my perfect. thoughts along the way perfect um so the article starts for some time enlightening gardeners uh which oh man feedback already I've been. I use the word enlightened to describe native plant people, but I like don't like it because it kind of seems like like hoity-toity in a way. It's like, oh, they yeah. they just don't know how bad they are. Well, it's it, like to me to say enlightened yeah. means oh, you're of a higher knowledge and they're lesser. Yes. Yeah. and that's I I don't like to think of anyone that way. Yes, I was th- I was pondering this yesterday or two days ago when I was riding around the nursery in the golf cart. I'm like, I need to find another word for enlightened, but it seems to be commonly used. 
Yeah. Um, so starting over, for some time, enlightened gardeners have grown away from contained, uh, stiffly regimented bends, uh, beds organized around lawns in favor of free-form swaths of native plants, pollinators once considered weeds, grasses, and wildflower meadows. A new book to be released by Fidon on March 9th. So this article is about a month old. Uh, it says it all. Wild by Noel Kingsbury uh, features descriptive photography taken by Claire Takas. Together, the two show and describe gardens located all over the world, including examples that range from Chicago's Millennium Park to New Zealand's hillsides to private oases in Great Britain and cemeteries in Germany. The gardens in the book include public, private, urban, suburban, and rural gardens. Uh, the takeaway is that wild garden that a wild garden can look and work beautifully in any climate and environment. And compared to labor-intensive water and chemical-dependent traditional gardening, it is environmentally friendlier, a boon for birds and insects, once established, less demanding that can, uh, than the conventional perennial bed. Uh, Noel Kingsbury says the trend did not start with uh, the invention of Earth Day. In private interview, he traced the origins of the wild gardens back to the late 19th century when progressive gardeners, including uh, Gertrude Jekyll, who I'm not sure who that is. Um, I, I'm sure I, somebody I is more knowledgeable than me on on that name. Um but she rebelled against the crude, garish Victorian practice of bedding plants, brightly colored annuals planted in geometric beds. As early as 1871, Irish journalist and gardener William Robinson published The Wild Garden to advocate for a more naturalistic approach. One of the things that drove a change is the cost of labor, Kingsbury says. He pointed the mid-20th century practice of planting evergreen shrubs as an alternative to labor-intensive gardening schemes. In the 1960s, the tedious minimalism of evergreens, which I call the green cement look, which I love that phrase. That's, <laughs> my wife will point out, because our garden is, is very wild, probably a little bit too wild for our front yard, and she'll look at other people and be like, why can't we just have a garden that looks like that? <laughs> I'm like, I think that looks like crap. It's like, do I want... Why do I want the same thing as everyone else has? Yeah. Like everyone else has the exact same landscape. The exact if it's landscaped, it has the exact same plants. Yeah, and I just don't. I don't find them attractive at all, especially when they're shaved and carved into shapes. <laughs> but uh, where I, was I? I'm, I'm skilled at that, by the way. So, so that he calls green cement was very fashionable, but also very boring. Very boring, in my opinion. Uh, the wild garden, he says, requires less work, but the work is more skilled. In public gardens especially, the work is often done by people who have little knowledge about horticulture. For a wild garden, intelligent decisions need to be made. We need a new profession of garden ecologists. Uh, in the United States, a movement among the elites and the academics toward more naturalistic gardens was gaining momentum in the 1920s and 30s. But when they began to see homeowner associations that demand vi uh, viciously mowed lawns, Kingberry said, he believes that European uh, he believes that Europeans are more tolerant of what their neighbors do in their gardens. Lawn tyranny is a uniquely American feature, and we know and as we know, lawns require an awful lot of water and fertilizer and care. The wild garden, on the other hand, can be a biodiversity refuge. A garden should be a mini nature preserve. Nothing matches the relaxed, romantic feel of a wild gardens, and for children, they have much more excitement to offer. Kingsbury points out that pesticides and other chemicals are rarely, if ever, needed in a wild garden. Uh, as tastes shifting, or as tastes are shifting in the United States, he sees diversity being fostered at garden centers, in garden clubs, and associations. Grasses, which used to be scorned as weeds, are proving to be wonderfully versatile, and there are all sorts of cultivars being promoted. He suggests that the gardener seek inspiration, uh, look to the plants that thrive in inhospitable places. They do not need fertilizer or any special care. They teach us what we need to know. Nice. So, like I said, I love when native plant articles are, are featured in those places where you wouldn't expect to see them. I think this is a great introduction to I, the, that. This is okay. And it's, it's beneficial, not even yeah. just okay. It's beneficial. Um, and personally, I 
think that, aesthetically they look better, but I know that's not everyone's taste. And in Forbes, that's reaching a different audience too. Exactly, um, yeah. Which which is nice to see, and it's very responsible journalism. Mm-hmm. That's that's my segue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's uh, I just really. My big takeaway is that I just love seeing it where it was. It's reaching a broader audience. Um, and like I mentioned with my story about being at the fine dining restaurant and using yeah. the wrong knife, yeah. uh, it's one of those things where people just said, oh, I didn't, I, one, I didn't know this was okay. And two, I didn't realize how much better it was. Yeah, It's that I think people with their gardening practices don't make – they make the choices because that's just what they know. Like it's or it's what was recommended them by someone who they think knows. Or what you see. Or what they or... see. And if they're I like all people I I shouldn't say all people, but I think most people when they really look at it, if they were given a choice where oh, I can plant this beautiful thing and be helping insects and birds and wildlife and water quality and all these things where I could plant this thing, that's really just going to look beautiful to me. They're going to make the better choice because they they want to be good people. Yeah. They want to be environmental stewards. They just, <clears throat> one, they either aren't given the choice or they just aren't knowledgeable enough because they haven't learned that aspect of it yet to make the, the they're just looking and saying, which one of these is more beautiful? Which one am I going to have to do less work on? We, we all it's, have choices, yeah. and and there's a lot of choices, and and there's nothing wrong with the choice that you make. Mm-hmm. But it's nice that you see articles with positive reinforcement saying, yeah. yes, you have choices, but if you choose to make this choice, these are all the great, wonderful benefits that you're providing that maybe the other choices don't have. Mm-hmm. And th- that's such a great way to present anything. Yeah. So I, I agree. That's a great article. Yeah. So, so and I haven't read the book. I don't. If if someone has read the book, uh, write in and let us know what you thought, and uh, if you'd recommend us reading the book as yeah. well. You know, if you call in and tell us a yeah. little bit about the book, we will let you have your own grow read a book segment. Yeah. You yeah. know, we'll yeah. we'll feature your call in a grow yeah, read a book. I haven't, I haven't read book. <laughs> you know, uh, if you do that. So, um, my article is kind of. The antithesis of yours, and I, I kind of feel that we always choose articles that support what we're doing, mm-hmm. but there's there's not always articles that do that. So <clears throat> I thought it would be fair to share an article that's against what we're doing mm-hmm. um, to see what we're up against. Yeah. You know what our <laughs> what our competition is writing about as far as as not. And actually, this this article shocked me. I'm surprised that. That this article exists and it exists where it was published. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just kind of a little shocked. So, I this I, I'm going to read this article and uh, you're you're not going to agree yeah. with a lot <laughs> yeah. of what this article says. So, I'm not I'm not picking it because I agree. Yeah. I'm, but I'm, you're, when when we ask for votes, you're not necessarily voting for who had the better article. It's who had the better presentation yes yes. so the the name of this article is called are native plants always better a grumpy verdict and this is by steve bender and this was published in southern living i now i don't know that this is necessarily a recent article based on some of the references that are made in this i couldn't find a date on it but i have a feeling that it may be a little dated but i'm going to read the whole article because it's not a long article and then i'd like to discuss um people love native plants they praise their beauty 
ease of care and how gentle and loving they are to the environment. As opposed to evil plants from Europe and Asia, native plants are always well-behaved and a better choice. Or are they? No, they are not. Esteemed members of the jury, the prosecution calls to your attention Exhibit A, the showy evening primrose, Onothera speciosa. First off, the native plant has a stupid name. It's pretty pink flowers opening during the day, not the evening. You're undoubtedly seeing large sweeps of of it blooming by the highways in spring and early summer. And many of you have said, that's so beautiful, I think I'll dig some up and bring it home. This is a bigger mistake than bringing home Charlie Sheen. This low-growing thug spreads by seed and also by root that knows no bounds. It kind of disappears in summer. It's sneaky. Then next spring it sprouts everywhere and consumes your entire garden. One seed germinated in my flower bed years ago, and I've been battling this menace ever since. But hey, it's native, so I guess that's okay. I now present to you Exhibit B, our native redbud tree, Circus canadensis. People love its lavender-purple spring flowers, and they should, but honestly, can there be a weedier tree? This thing ranks right up there with mimosa and black cherry, another native tree, and the incredible number of seedlings that come up all around it. Every year I pull up hundreds around mine, but hey, it's native, so I guess that's okay. Present it for your inspection, Exhibit C, a lovely native vine called Virginia Creeper, Parthenocystis quinquifolia. Virginia Creep would be more like it. Now, this vine does have some good points. Its five leaflet turns uh, brilliant red in the fall, and its blue-black fruit feeds the birds. But this latter point is where the trouble starts. Birds poop out the seed, and seedlings come up everywhere thanks to adhesive discs. It climbs anything – fences, walls, PVC, concrete, telephone poles, the walking dead, anything. It easily grows 30 feet a year, and all the while, its roots sometimes thick as a rope – Spread far and wide, often sprouting 20 feet away from the mother vine. But hey, it's native, so I guess that's okay. Let's wrap this up, uh, wrap up our case with Exhibit D, the infamous horsetail. This ancient survivor of the Carboniferous Age spreads by spores, not seed, and consists of slender, hollow green tubes several feet high. It likes water, so it's often planted near ponds, but be warned, its roots must be absolutely completely cut off from the outside world or else it will cover the outside world. Pots with it cannot have drainage holes. Beds with it, like the one above, must be surrounded with steel edging uh, or feet of paving, but hey, it's native, so I guess that's okay. The prosecution rests its case. The verdict, bailiff, will you read the verdict? We, the enlightened, esteemed, and unbiased jury, having examined all the evidence, we find that native plants are not always better than exotic ones from foreign lands. While many native plants, such as sourwood trees, native azaleas, and Virginia bluebells, are to be treasured, Quite a few native plants are invasive, weedy, destructive, and a pain in the hiney. Therefore, we encourage the gardening public not to dogmatically chew all non-native plants, but to choose the right plant for the right spot, regardless of the origin. Bang, court adjourned. I like how he used enlightened in this yeah. article, too. You know, yeah. and, and, and here's the thing. I think a lot of those plants aren't necessarily plants, you know, yes, the right plant mm-hmm. for the right spot. You could have easily picked out all better native plants for those spots i i would never encourage anyone to plant virginia creeper in their yard uh in a garden bed um some of these plants are not necessarily the right choice or the right plant for the right spot but they do have their their place in nature and they do contribute to the food web unlike many exotic plants so onothera uh, butterflies and bees are attracted to the nectar and the flowers Members of the Onothera genus support uh, um, a lot of specialized bees, many of which I can't pronounce, but there's a full list of them. Uh, The seeds attract birds and small mammals. 
Circe is not only beautiful, but eastern redbud's uh, flowers provide some of the early spring nectar for native bees and honeybees. And uh, Parthenocissus, fruit birds through the winter, uh, chickadees, nuthatches, mockingbirds, catbirds, finches, flycatchers, tanagers, swallows, vireos, warblers, woodpeckers, thrushes, all feed on the berry. It's a larval host for several species of sphinx moss and many animals, squirrel, mice, deer, and chipmunk all feed on the stems and leaves. And the thick foliage provides shelter for wildlife. And equisetum is a great food source for grizzly bears and a wonderful uh, means for erosion control. So they all have their place in our ecosystem in the right spot. And Mm -hmm. I kind of feel that they picked some of the worst offenders and chastised them and just said these are horrible. All (laughs) non-native exotic plants are better. Yeah. Um, And that's irresponsible – that's a slanted, irresponsible way to be a journalist uh, or for journalism. So I, I kind of feel that this didn't really provide – it was a very mm. biased uh, slant on not wanting to use native plants. And you could easily, like I said, pick out many, many native plants that would have been great for, for your garden other, other than exotics. Uh, you mm. know – would you rather plant Virginia creeper than Milam in it? Heck yes. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, it's – it's uh, you, you just have to look at it the right way. So yeah, that's my it's, um, it's, uh, it's obviously an article that I don't agree with a lot of the sen- – well, like, I agree with some of the sentiments. That, yeah. Yeah, you, you do want to pick the right plant for the right place. You don't want to plant – horsetail in your but, back pond but like, like i i mentioned after my article is well it's choosing if you if you're faced with a choice where this is something that is beautiful and just beautiful yeah. or this is something that's beautiful and does these other lists of of whole or all these things that help the environment i think most people would prefer to choose the thing that's going to be beautiful and help the environment yes they want to to help in a way they don't want to purposely make a choice that's detrimental in yeah. a way, and um, but yeah, it's a uh, it's interesting. I, I looked them up while you were you were reading this since I got to hear yeah. it yesterday too. And uh, I guess he's he titles himself the Grumpy Gardener. Okay, um, and I think it's it's a bit of a shtick where he yes. a lot of the things he writes it's it's not all negative about native plants. It's he bashes on a lot of it's a little tongue in cheek, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, and um, but it's it's really rooted in conventional gardening yeah. like he has articles about how you shouldn't leave the leaves because while yeah it's beneficial to a lot of uh beneficial insects or beautiful insects it also is good for a lot of the pest insects as well which is is probably true but yes. we have to remember that you got to take some of the good with the bad um yes. it's better to have good insects than not have good insects and deal with some of the the bad insects than just not have any good insects um, and Southern Living hates, magazine hates, uh, is reaching, but he's reaching a large audience with he's his reaching a large message. audience. I like he has an article that's that's uh, down on trumpet vine, like native trumpet vine. He has an article that's kind of pro uh, non or invasive honeysuckle. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there that it's just uh, it's very conventional. He's an article called, called Talking Smack about sumacs. So I think it's uh, – but then he has other articles that are pro-persimmon, and I'm trying to see some of the other ones that were uh, – why you should plant native azaleas. So so he's – I think he's just very conventional in his, yeah. his gardening approach. And it's not 
It's not ecosystem. It's our, gar- he's gardening for yeah, himself. Our he's listener not, base is not his follower base. No, no, so. that's true. But it's good to know what's out there and what other people are reading, yeah. um, oh, yeah. and what you're trying to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you, when you're giving positive nudges, what yeah. what, what obstacles yeah. you might find. I just I don't know why I had to bring Charlie Sheen into it. Why why kick a man while he's down? Is <laughs> Charlie Sheen been relevant <laughs> in the last? Well, then again, you said you don't know when this article was published. Oh, it's it got been during during his heyday. It's, it's got to yeah. be. So. Um, um, but I think two great articles, and we will post these up on the Facebook page like we always do, and you get to choose because. And of course, the choice is yours. So, uh, how about some listener shoutouts? Yeah, definitely. you you have a lot. I have a lot. A lot. <laughs> listener, listener, shout out, shout out. I'm I'm chuckling to myself because we didn't even make it this far yesterday. No, podcast. this is where we stopped. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even get not to even, this. No, no, yeah, not even. And, uh, I got, we stopped halfway through my article. It's such a much better podcast today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not to, not to keep going back to it, but it was funny when we stopped. Tom Tom had asked if we could re-record something, and then I wanted to re-record something, and I looked, and we hadn't even recorded 30 minutes. Yeah. And I was like, you know, let's walk away from yeah. this. <laughs> Go home and, and, and start fresh tomorrow. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to do mine real quick. Okay. Because I always do one, and you have – uh, a mess today. So um, I wanted my listener shout out is, and I hope I'm pronouncing it, Amy Nowak. Would you, is that how you would I say I think it? so, yeah. So, who has been a longtime listener, is a member of our Facebook group. Uh, but she wanted to point out one of the things that Tom and I have talked about in uh, previous podcasts, I think we've mentioned it more than uh, once, was that we feel that it's probably easier to reach children and get them involved in nature. Um, and because they're a little bit more impressionable rather than changing someone starting off by teaching them the benefits of of our natural world and mm-hmm. plants. And uh, Amy actually kind of does this uh, – was it part-time, I believe, if I remember yeah, correctly yep. in the email and, and gave us some recommendations of people to talk to that do this that are mm-hmm. very popular in like their sessions sell out immediately and they have mm-hmm. to – offer other sessions about being an environmental educator and Mm -hmm. working with children. So we appreciate the feedback of that. We've also have reached out to uh, previously uh, children in nature and a representative has gotten back to us and hopefully Mm – that's that's going to be a future podcast as well. So yeah. uh, we thank you for for not only listening, being a part of our community, but writing to us and letting us know – having some great suggestions and letting mm-hmm. us know letting us know what you're up to and you're doing fantastic work yeah and uh, amy and her daughter both have a um their own uh native landscaping business mm-hmm. also That's right. minnesota was uh michigan. Michigan. michigan michigan so keep doing the great work thank you yeah and um so we had a whole bunch of five-star reviews this week it's so. amazing <laughs> yeah, it, it was really exciting is. so uh i'm gonna start off from newest to oldest and uh first was a uh, podcast jess who said that she never missed an episode and i would that's another thing it's like how many people out there have never missed an episode and uh oh i'd i'd like to know yeah. that it's, yeah. it's i'm happy that we've retained a lot of our early listeners we really have joan yeah. joan brandwine mentioned mm-hmm. she started listening after like the second or third episode and a few people have mentioned that They've been listening from the beginning, and that's exciting to hear. Yeah, it really is. It, and not that I'm shunning new listeners. <laughs> I love new listeners, but I, I love the retention yeah. of, of yeah. When you early. did that last time, <laughs> I was thinking of the – there's that Bo uh, – the comedian Bo Burnham has a song, and it's like about how pop songs are all pan- – he has a country song that's all about – how country songs are all pandering too. But he's like uh, thinking about how, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm singing to – 
you girl who's you have two eyes and hair and two <laughs> arms and, then his, and he's like if you're my manager you're you're freaking out right now because what about girls who only have one arm and it's like because you're you're leaving out your pop music is trying to be approachable to everybody and yeah. not just so it's very vague in their descriptions and i was like fran you're you're cutting off you're cutting <laughs> off people you're, you're leaving out the people who every <laughs> We're so, every no, but um, but yeah, we got a ton of five star reviews. So the first one was um from podcast Jess. Uh, like I said, never miss an episode. We had another one from Oram, and uh, he said we were educational and fun. I was very informative and easy to listen to, and uh, and that was the one that says we walk a fine line between educating and lecturing. You know, and which, I I want to thank you for writing that because yeah. sometimes <clears throat> you get. You know, that's not always on my head, and I know sometimes yeah. we can be a little preachy. So, well, I'll speak for myself. I know I can be a little preachy, yeah. and, and <laughs> yeah. I need to keep keep in my mind that there's always a better way to present something. Mm-hmm. So thank you for point. Like I, we do walk the fine line. I, I would like to be more on the educational side than the preachy side. Yep. Uh, Red B-Bomb wrote that, uh, that they love the podcast and find it super entertaining and educational and – that we uh, we stretch how they think about plants and ecosystems, which is what we've we've done a lot too. We've really grown a lot in that realm as well. And let's see, there's uh, JBMN um, right that she liked listening. Or I keep saying she, but I don't know if they're she's or he's yeah, or, or I don't what. Know either. I just I, it's, I don't know. It's just what comes off my tongue. You, you know but, what? It's JBMN. I bet you it's Joan Brandwine, Minnesota. That would make sense. So, <laughs> so if, you're probably if, right. If that's the case, then. <laughs> then uh, Joan liked listening to entertaining conversation among friends who share interest in native plants and restoring the environment. So that's uh, and, really good. And then we had one more that doesn't show up when I look on Apple Podcast because they're from Australia. Yeah, and this is Lucas from Australia wrote in and um, and left the five star view. And uh, and I'm glad that and Lucas has get, his own farm in Australia and right. mentioned he he enjoyed listening and likes a lot of our humor and yeah. was calling me spanky, which yeah. I appreciate, <laughs> which is better and than I'm, Pam. I'm glad people from other places in the world can get something out of what we're talking about too because these, as mentioned in my article, this is happening all over the world. It's yeah. not just happening in the U.S. We just happen to be in the U.S. and, and talking to people about, about US it, what we okay. know what's happening here. Yeah. So – um, yeah, no, it was amazing to see that many reviews, and uh, we've and, ha- and there there are tons of other emails to us yeah. that that we can't mention them all, yeah. unfortunately. But and uh, yeah, so you have until I'm going to say April 5th. We're recording on April 6th, so yeah. you better get it in by April 5th. You don't want to yeah, come down five, to the wire five and then, days. Then Fran doesn't and, read it in time and, and, and doesn't and, get and it. And I'm going to say this also: when you post a review on Apple podcast it takes 24 hours before it actually shows up so you really only have four days uh to get it in so So, yeah so yeah if you want to win our pylons nursery yeti if you want to be entered to win that you got to leave that five-star review and uh yeah so we'll be doing that next episode awesome so uh i have no complaints and I are you have, shocked? Uh, and I have no book to because I still haven't finished my book, and I don't think I'm going to finish it until, <laughs> until sometime in in might July. Be summer now. Yeah. might be summer. Yeah. Uh, for speaking of being busy in July, if you're listening to a native plant every day, we did announce that uh, next week's uh, will be the season one finale week, and then we're going to we we've just gotten so busy and yeah. and we've caught up at, with with episodes and we don't have the time to produce Mm -hmm. more. So we're going to do a season two in the summer and we're going to try to do two seasons a year, one in the winter, one in the summer. So we'll reconvene with a, a newer, sleeker, better 
season yeah. two. Yeah. So, but yeah, if, so, if someone has an, I'm probably gonna have to turn like find an audio book to keep that segment alive. So, if someone has an audio book recommendation, shoot it over to me and uh, and okay. I'll I'll listen to that while I'm busy working until like ten eleven p.m. I, I might have one so, for you. Yeah. Um, so. You did have a – we had no questions, Yep. Um, but you did have a topic yeah, that you threw in. This will be, I think, pretty brief. It's, it's another – I try not to put too many, like, calls to actions in here, especially when it comes to, to political things. Um, but this is one that is brand new to the state of New Jersey, and we might finally catch up to some of our neighbors in having an invasive plant ban. Um, so there's a New Jersey invasive plant bill is uh, – it's in the Senate right now. It's a S two one eight six. If you go on, I think it's nj.gov. I I don't remember the exact website, but if you look up your where your your uh, state senator is from, you can actually search bills there too. What I would ask is reach out to your local state senator and ask them to to look into this bill and and support it if they can. Um, and again, you can do that by going on to or looking up who your state senator is, and usually they'll have like a contact in the lookup it'll have a contact button there but uh it's something that's a long time coming i think the list probably needs to be refined a little bit i know through njnla we're looking at that list and uh we put a, a call out to the njnla membership saying is there anything on here that you feel shouldn't be on here for economic or non-invasive reasons and then from the njnla standpoint because we have growers who grow all sorts of stuff yeah. we're going to compile that and say okay well I know this is you don't think this is invasive, but it actually is. Yes. So it should be on the list, and and we're, we don't have any say in what's happening with the legislation. Yeah. We're just providing our input. Um, but from my perspective, I think for people in New Jersey who want to, who we need some kind of invasive plant legislation, S- support this, and uh, and it can be refined as time goes on. But we need to have something in place as soon as possible. Because it's just ludicrous to me that people can still sell known invasives that are all over the place now. And they can still sell them like it's knowing that it's causing more ecological damage. Yeah, you know, and it's – the funny thing is this has been 25 years in the making in New Jersey. And in in the meantime, all these other states, Pennsylvania, Delaware, have kind of surpassed us. So it's nice to see that this is finally coming out because we we mentioned – a lot of the restoration work that happens is really putting a Band-Aid on the wound afterwards mm-hmm. instead of yeah. uh, preventing that, that wound from happening. You know, And this is a, a good start for that. Like yeah. if, we can, if we can stop a lot of these invasives from being sold, then mm-hmm. we can just work on yeah. what's there. You now. could kill every Bradford pear in the state, but if they're still coming out and being, being planted in the landscape, it, it's – I don't want to say it doesn't matter. It helps, but you're – you gotta you gotta stop the flow of water before you can clean up like get the yeah. water out of your basement. Yes. It's like it would be like if your basement flooded and you're and there's still water pouring in and you're trying to mop up all the water in the basement floor. Well you gotta you gotta stop the water from coming in before you can take care of what's the water that's that's on your floor. Yeah. So yeah, that's just my, my call to action there is is look up that bill. Reach out to your state senator and say, "Hey, this is something. I'm one of your constituents. I I would really love to see you support this bill." Yeah. Um. And it, here's the here's the big thing. They they're your state senator, whether you whether you voted for them or not. So you don't have to even <laughs> say, "I didn't vote for you," but <laughs> but you should really do this. It probably doesn't work better that way. But yeah, I I would reach if you're from New Jersey, reach out to your state senator and say, 
this is something that we I really support, need to yeah. to look into and, and get going. So. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So actually, uh, we're going to do take it, take it or leave it, but you provided. I did, this, yeah. This episode, so yeah. I'll let you present this one. Yeah. So my take it or leave it is uh, so there's a new fa- and again for New Jersey folks. There's a new Facebook group that popped up called uh, like I think it's Native Plant Gardeners of South Jersey, and um, and it's a fairly small group still, but it's it's growing pretty quickly. And the person who's the admin there is really putting up some really great content. But I know one of the questions that that was posed in there was about a red osier dogwood and it's cultivar cultivar red osier dogwood for sale in, I forget it was Home Depot or Lowe's. And they're saying, hey, is this a bad plant? Or, like, is this okay, or should I steer clear of it? And you get a lot of people saying, oh, no, no, you don't want If it's from a big box store, you don't want to buy it. So that was my take or leave. It was big box stores. You know. Specifically just, native plants from big box stores. But yeah. You know, the when you go into, I don't know if it's this way for Lowe's, but it used to be with, with um, Home Depot. That you could see the the nursery in which it came, the plants come mm-hmm. from on the sign. Yeah, I don't know if it's on the ind- individual tag. So I went into there where I used to live. There was one literally two miles away, mm-hmm. and I went in and walked around. And the bulk of the material is from the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't yep. coming from the East Coast. Like it was from there was there were some from New Jersey and some from Connecticut, but most of it was California and yeah. and Oregon. Um, you know, I'm kind of torn. You know, they they are providing for the the mass population, mm-hmm. and they're trying to be everything to everyone, which means yeah. you're not going to agree with everything that they do. I'm not against it, but I would rather support local native plant nurseries mm-hmm. who you can have a rapport with and you can learn from. You know, we've learned yeah. from nurseries at Supply Home Depot that. They actually hire their own companies mm-hmm. or their own personnel to go in and take care of the material yep. uh, because in a lot of cases, they don't get paid until that plant is actually sold. Um, you, you know, it's it's hard. Like when I was remodeling my house, I be, I was on a first-name basis with all the guys in the plumbing mm-hmm. and construction yeah. department, yeah. and they were giving me great – it was all people who had done this for a living, and they were mm-hmm. giving me great advice, almost like you would get with a local store. Yeah, but that's one thing for wood and something. Yeah, I don't think you get that with with the, the plant, the the garden center part of it. You may yeah. have one person, but I, I think nothing beats locally grown native plants. Mm-hmm. And if there are native nurseries close to you that are growing their own or, or locally sourcing, that can help guide you. I think you'd be in a better position. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I walk into Lowe's by me, the first plants you see when you pull in the parking lot are burning bush and, and barberry yeah. and yep. and then the first thing you see on the, the shelf is glyphosate so mm-hmm. it's not they're speaking to the masses but they're not speaking to me yeah and there's better places that i can have a conversation that are speaking to me yeah yeah and and i think i don't want to condemn them i'm just mm-hmm. saying we all have choices there's a series of better or worse choices make make some better choices you can you can go to the place that's going to help you with your mission yeah now i'm i'm it's this is how i answered in this when this question was posed in this group this is how i answered because i think big box stores are really marked as a bad thing and they really aren't the devil that most people make them out to be um a lot of i've one of the things i see all the time and it's really old is the whole thing with 
Um, oh, we don't buy from big box stores because they use Neonics. And I don't, I guess people just Home don't Deep- realize Home Depot and Lowe's both uh, just, I don't want to say outlawed, but they, they basically made it so that you, if you want to sell in their stores, you can't use yeah. Neonics. Yeah. And if you do, it has to be labeled. Yes. And uh, so if you go to many other garden centers, that's not going to happen. No, you go to many, most native plant nurseries, they aren't going to use them anyway. Yes. We don't, at Pinelands Nursery, we don't sell the Lowe's or Home Depot, but we chose not to use them anyway because that was the point our plants are there. That was the right choice for us. That that was, was, we got to We have to do it. And, but I know our, at the time when we made that decision, our IPM people did not agree with it. They said, how are we going to have nice plants if we don't use this stuff? How are we going to have plants period? But like I said earlier, if when posed with that decision or posed with that choice, sort of, okay, I can do something that I know is, is hurting something, or I can make deal with some uh, plant loss. Due to pest pressures and and still have enough plants to sell, I think it's smarter to make something, use something that's less harmful in that sense. But um, but yeah, you look at a lot of these nurseries that are are selling to well, and that's another misconception. Is a lot of people think that Home Depot and Lowe's are growing and taking care of these plants themselves, yeah. and they're they're buying from some of the biggest and most reputable nurseries in the entire country. Yeah, um, you're if you're getting a plant from them, you know it was coming from someone who is is good at growing plants. Yeah. Um and knowing some of these smaller native plant nurseries, it's and it, this isn't to bash them because I think they're doing really good things, but you're not always going to get the same quality of plant from some places. Yeah. Um but you're I guess you'd be sacrificing some quality for the sake of being pesticide free or neo at least neonic free. Well, I get you're not sacrificing that if you're buying from Home Depot and Lowe's. But I, you know what? I but think you're going to probably get a more local seed source. Um, there's a trade off there. I, I think that the the average native plant enthusiast realizes that you know we don't do any ornamental pruning. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. if you were to put our plants in a Home Depot yeah. next to some of these, you, you'd say, oh, it's not the same quality. Yes. Yep. Um. I I think they realize that. I I think. You know, having worked for a very large nursery and had been in charge of purchasing mm-hmm. for actually two yeah. two large nurseries. You it's a business. You're buying what oh, you yeah. know you can sell mm-hmm. and and you're 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 covering uh you know they have regional buyers that may have a large area that they're buying from and it's what sells. Mm-hmm. Um and as a buyer you can put in some things that you like or that you know yep. until they don't sell. Yeah. And then yeah. you're not yeah. you're not doing it, you know. And it's you can try things, and it's but when you're they're they're not providing the education behind it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's what the populace wants. It's it's you know it's a difference. Would you rather go to depending on how you eat? Would you rather go to Shoprite or Whole Foods? Yeah. You know, here's here's a, a store that knows who their audience mm-hmm. is. And caters to that audience, mm-hmm. and it's a more specialized. Whole Foods isn't for everyone, yeah. but it yeah. it's very popular and yes, important yeah. to the people that shop there. Mm-hmm. And I think, not that there's anything wrong with a shop, right? Yeah, you know, but yep. it's you can find that place that's more specialized for you, mm-hmm. and it will help you achieve your mission, yeah. and it will help them reach more people. Now, and uh, this the shop, right? Whole Foods might not be the best example. Of to to put this into, yeah. but say more people wanted to to 
start buying native plants, yeah. there's no way our native plant nurseries could keep up. No. And people aren't going to stop shopping at Home Depot and Lowe's. So I would love to see more native plants at Home Depot and Lowe's. You get an invasive plant ban. Now they can't sell the invasives. So I think there's a a, a void that, especially as these native plant bans really start to come into effect, there's going to be a void there to fill. And, then, and having a native plant as the substitute could go a long way. And you'll get these people who are now subconsciously helping the ecosystem, even if it's a cultivar. Cultivars get a bad name too. Yeah. Where – and it, I always have to laugh because I'm like, okay, we're a native plant nursery that only grows species native plants, and I I'm always have to defend Home Depot and Lowe's and cultivars all <laughs> yeah. the time because I I just hate to see misinformation get out yeah. there. Like cultivars are not all bad. Uh, you look at the American Beauties program that um, I was just going to bring that up. That, actually, uh, North Creek Nurseries and Pride's, and Pride's Corner teamed up on to create this, and then Sunset Farmsteads a grower. There's growers from all over the area that are involved in actually growing the plants. But those cultivars have to be, uh, what's it, o- o- or wild, wild-sourced yes. uh, cultivars. And they don't have to be cultivars. I know, like, Sunset Farmstead, they get some plugs from us, which are open-pollinated uh, species natives, and they can put them in an American Beauty's pot yeah. because it's a, it's a wild-type a wild plant. Yeah. But and so a lot of these cultivars are wild type plants. It's just someone, some botanist was walking along and said, "Wow, that's a really cool that has merit." Yeah, white uh, like a white uh, milkweed that has some merit. That that's people would want to see this in their garden, and then it's vegetatively propagated, so you don't get the. If you buy a, a I'm trying to think of. I, I think Magnus is a a wild type. That's echinacea. a species, not a cultivar. I think, yeah. isn't it? Or a, I mean a, uh, a variety. A variety, it's a variety, yeah. not a cultivar. So, so you can grow it from seed. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you take like a, a wild type, they're going to be gene- wherever you get it in the country. It's going to be genetically. It should be genetically identical. Yeah. But uh, it's, a it's clone. you can't just look at cultivars across the board and say not they're not good. And that's what's happening. And people are looking at big boxes across the board and saying they're not good. The it was a cornus uh, sericea uh, bailei, I think was the. The species and it's it's a wild type plant that some guy found like a hundred years ago and they propagated it because it had some characteristic. You can't tell me that's not going to be beneficial in a home landscape. That it's not going to be good for insects. And that was kind of what was getting put into that context. Yeah. But and I think I think big. I guess what I'm saying is big box stores and cultivars get a lot of bashing that they don't deserve. No, but they were they did the demise of the independent oh, garden yeah. center. Yeah. yeah, like if you look in our area, like you go back 20 years ago and you you had the Waterloo Gardens and the mm-hmm. the Styers, uh, J. Franklin Styers, and you had the, all these when. The, the Philadelphia Flower Show is a much different place today mm-hmm. than it was 25 yeah. years ago because the independent garden centers that used to go there aren't there. Like, were they demise of that? More than likely, yes. Um, you know, but here's the thing. As a consumer, you have the power. You have mm-hmm. – because you have the money. You can choose to shop there or not. You choose where you, you spend your money. So mm-hmm. if if there are, are places that better suit – your mission and your lifestyle shop shop there yeah you know and yep. eventually if they lose enough business they will have to make a change yeah in what they're selling yeah so it's one of again coming down to take it or leave it i guess i would technically i would take it but realistically it's if you just want to get a healthy native plant 
getting them from one from Home Depot and Lowe's is not going to be an issue. If you find one there, even if it's a cult it's it's I'd say ninety nine percent of the time it's going to be okay. It's yeah. going to work. Now, if you, but if you want something that's a, a wild collected uh, or wild grown from wild seed, and you know it's going to be local ego type, and you want to be able to have a relationship with your your nursery, yeah. which is what I would advocate for more people to do. You're going to want to find a native nursery that's close to you, and well, and even even. You know, perfect example. And go there. And without taking this on too long, yeah. but I was just part of a MIT roundtable mm-hmm. with all government officials, nonprofits, nursery professionals in in the whole Northeast. Yeah. And that was my suggestion was – and everyone wants to f- trust and feel comfortable with whoever they're doing business with. Mm-hmm. So you have to get to know who you're doing business with. So how better to do that is go visit your garden center. Go visit your nursery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ask them first. Don't just show up. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. <laughs> Ask, uh, but have a face-to-face relationship. Get to know someone, what their practices are. If you trust mm-hmm. what they're saying their practices are, yeah. um, and then you can move forward from there. If you trust each other, then you can have a good business relationship. Mm-hmm. So you want that with your garden center, with who you're buying yeah. from. You want to have that, <clears throat> and that's sometimes where we like to shop local because you have that. You mm-hmm. have conversations. Yep. You uh it's it's you feel more comfortable and even if you're spending more you're you're okay spending more but if you feel more comfortable yeah um and and get to know their and you're not necessarily going to always get to know the practices of a big box store because you're dealing with many growers Mm -hmm. but look it up get to know if it's a local place you can see the place you can walk around and see what their practices are or ask them what their practices are so it's you know we really always recommend that when possible yeah yeah, I yeah, definitely. It's just uh I I guess I see so much um unnecessary hate. It's, yeah. It's, I shouldn't even say unnecessary. It's just misdirected. It's not people are making claims that are just not true. And I hate to see that information go about cuz it just it cheapens our argument overall. Yeah. When you start saying things that are are blatantly false. Yeah. And and continue to it, it's it doesn't yeah. help our overall mission. But I so. guess I guess overall I would have to say I take it because I'm probably at Lowe's or Home Depot once a yeah. week. Yeah. Have I bought a plant from either of them? No, no, yeah. I, I I honestly haven't. But mm-hmm. um, but for my other needs, yeah, I yeah. have because wherever you live, there's one two miles from your <laughs> two miles from yep. your house, and it's hard yep. to not. And they've they've really made it. And this is where I have hope for Home Depot and Lowe's at, for their garden centers too to be able to do this. They've made it. It is just so much easier for me to shop at Home Depot or Lowe's yeah. than it is for me to go to a local hardware. Not that, not that we really have any local hardware stores we, around we here. We don't, anymore. but the hours were different. Yeah. The, you know, it's I, I, I can't think of one local hardware store by me, yeah. unfortunately. So, so, all right. I think that does it. Yeah, so that's going to wrap us up for today. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Buzz. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Native Plants Healthy Planet presented by Pylons Nursery. Well, as always, we're saying thank you to RJ Como for our Buzz theme music. Make sure you stream or buy RJ's music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your music. I know he has a new album out, which I am personally loving. You can follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Pinelands Nursery, or uh, Native Plants underscore Healthy Planet, and YouTube at Pinelands Nursery. Uh, I, you know, it's funny. I was praising how well the question and comment line was, and then <laughs> yeah. it, it it went dead. So we do have the question and comment line. 
Uh, you can call us at 215-346-6189. I will repeat that, 215-346-6189. You can ask a question or leave a comment. We'll play it on a future episode of The Buzz and try to answer it to the best of our ability. I don't know if I told you, Tom. I actually talked to Saul last oh, week. You did so it, yeah. He apologized. He hasn't called. He's got a lot of stuff going on. He apologized. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want our fans to forget who he is, and he'll be calling in as soon as uh, he can. So – and. We have the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group, and everyone has been wonderful, and kudos to all of you for the, the great conversations and topics. Yeah, so you can listen to Native Plants Healthy Planet directly at www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. Um, uh, realistically, you're probably going to listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, really wherever you consume your podcast. When you're there, especially on Apple Podcasts, uh, to appease our, our Apple Podcast <laughs> overlords, you can uh, you can leave a five-star review, and that just – it. Somehow, some way, it really helps uh, us get more listeners. And I, I would almost attribute a lot of our listeners and the new listeners probably to some of those five-star reviews oh. that we got in that last week. Our our so. rankings on the nature chart have been consistently higher, and now we're consistently staying in the science chart, which is yeah. which is huge. We're up there. We're just with, barely uh, hanging with, in there. But yeah, with ologies with Ali Ward and, and <laughs> hidden brain even, with Sankram Vedantam, <laughs> we're I'm feeling like big time now. This not is even, pretty cool. We're we're in the same chart, but we're, we're not about on the same two, page. We're about yeah. 200, <laughs> two, yep. 200 uh podcasts <laughs> yeah, be, yeah. below it though. Yep. So uh, um and uh yeah so and also we're like I said mentioned last was we're getting close to being able to give out some more money from our t-shirt sales. Awesome. So if you want to buy a t-shirt, I know we had a little flurry last week where some people bought them. Um, if you want to buy one of our Native Plants Healthy Plant t-shirts, you can also do that www.nativeplantshealthyplant.com. There's just a banner right across the top. It takes you to our Teespring store. And again, all the profits that, that come from that, Fran and I don't, well, I guess I touch it to give it to someone else. But I, we don't, we don't, it's like just barely touches my <laughs> my computer mouse and that's it before we transfer it to some of these really deserving awesome. people who are doing boots on the ground work helping native plants and where a couple hundred bucks goes a long way for them. You can get a great shirt with a great message that helps great organizations, but you can yeah. buy a phone case. There's other things. You can send one to Steve Bender. That would probably be Oh, you know yeah. what? That would be a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Positive, positive <laughs> reinforcement. So I know this is typically where we give a secret, and it's my turn, but I don't really have a secret. So I thought, would you be okay if I shared what we're doing for the 100th yeah, episode? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. So uh, next week for the 100th episode, we had been joking around and talking about probably for the last 25 episodes that we wanted to have this big like bash kind mm-hmm. of celebrating. And we we threw around ideas like having a roundtable, rooted discussion with former yep. guests. And we kind of felt like it was really self-serving. Like we, yeah. we talked about it, and then we would be like, eh, there was something just wasn't right. We so. are not people to, to celebrate ourselves. So as we just continue to <laughs> Wait, say how, how many reviews we got. And all that. <laughs> uh, but it's, um, no, we, we're really humbled with a lot of this. And we yeah. wanted to make sure we, to celebrate this 100th episode, we did it, did something special that wasn't about us. We wanted it to represent the journey, not just our journey or the podcast journey, but our listeners' journey as well. So fortunately, Tom, you had... You had heard this gentleman I speak? Heard, yeah, I heard uh, – I'll let you actually. A guy named uh, Dr. Stanley Temple uh, speak on another podcast, and he is affiliated with the Aldo Leopold Foundation. And um, and his connection to Aldo Leopold is a few fold. But first, he was, uh, he was taught when he was in college and grad school by one of Aldo Leopold's st- uh, students. Wow. So um, 
And then eventually he made his way to be, I think, the Aldo Leopold chair at the University of Wisconsin okay. and held a, a position that Aldo Leopold held there. Uh, so we really want to get into like, like land ethic and the history of Aldo Leopold and then touch on what the Aldo Leopold Foundation, which was started by all the, some of Aldo Leopold's kids, yeah. um, touch on what, what they stand for and, and what they do today. So we thought, you know, many times we've mentioned Aldo Leopold and how important uh, uh, his works are to all of us as far as land ethics and ecology. And I know like uh, Rick McCoy, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's special to him. So yeah. it's we just thought that it would be a, a great way to celebrate 100 episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah. With, it's with it's that, a reason why it so many of us are doing what we're doing and got into this whole idea of, of having an environmental ethic is through Aldo Leopold. He's one of... Uh, the the greatest in the United States, the one of the greatest spokesmen for uh, the outdoors. So um, that was yeah, that was what we decided we wanted to have for our our hundredth episode, and and really kind of sum what many of us have been thinking and and how many of us got into this this uh, ideology. Where do we go from here? Oh, we have a whole bunch of stuff. I have <laughs> I have a whole bunch of cool guests lined up. It's just it's getting it to come together, and some of the stuff that's been kicking around for like a year now. Um, we what? talked about Brenda Siegel's. That was one that kept on took for almost over a two year. years. You so, know, it it has because of the time of the year. It has been extremely hard to get guests. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of these episodes are being recorded right yeah. down at the last minute. So it's it's been difficult. So if if you have suggestions, not only letting us know if you have an in with this person, mm-hmm. I think if if our listeners are writing to some of these people. Uh, to let them know that they'd love to hear them yeah. on our podcast. Because I know you're hearing some of these people on other podcasts. Yeah. We're just not that big helps enough. too. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we're, I reach out to people and then I don't hear anything back. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you have ins with some people, you hear them on other podcasts and you know them or are familiar, they're part of their fan club and they interact with you, putting a good good word in for us goes a long way. Yeah, so. that would help. So. so Perfect. All right. Well, with that, I'm Tom. And I am Fran. Thanks again, everyone. Coming up, we have our 100th episode, uh, and we're all very excited about that. So we're looking forward to it. Uh, we'll see you again next time. And until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planted Podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.